to acknowledge our graduates. Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't it nice today? So proud of y'all. It seems like I say this every year, but you know, they were saying this one was straight A's. You know, I never got to say or hear that. But your pastor is proud of you. I do want to take a moment before we begin our question and answer uh, concerning our, our, our series on the American gospel. It's not only uh, needful, but it's right to recognize those who have served and are serving. Um, we still got that echo here. If you'll just turn everybody else off but out here. Um, if you have served or are serving now in our armed services, any form of military, or if you've lost someone that has, I want you to stand and remain standing, please. If you would remain standing for just a moment, I want you to look me in the eye and I want you to know how heartfelt this is that I speak for all of us, but especially what I do. I do not get to do what I do in other nations because they are not free, but because of your years and your service and those that you buried and the scars that you carry, mental and physical. I get to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in a free country. And I am grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We don't take it lightly. All right, question and answer time. When I planned the series, I did not plan on a question and answer. I prided myself. I went, oh, good, four weeks, and then Mother's Day, and then Lee's already scheduled. And then I decided, hey, let's do question and answer. And my staff, who's always trying to cover for me, they said, where? So we got our four-week series, which was very intense, and then a three-week gap to do question and answer. So this, I'm going where angels fear to tread here. It can either be crickets which please don't do that to your pastor or, you know, somebody that wants to debate. And listen, I, I invite any question. I may not have the answer. Um, you know, truth does not mind you turning it upside down, putting a light on it. Any, any minister or ministry that won't allow you to question or ask, run from that ministry because no one's above questions or correction. And I may not know the answer to your question, but we, I want to give you as much clarity on this series as I have, which it might not be saying too much, but uh, I will offer you that which I have. But I want to pray for myself in all earnestness. If you've ever prayed for me today, this is what I want you to pray for, that that which the Lord has given me, I'll be able to recall it and recall it clearly. Uh, the Bible said if we like wisdom, we can ask of God. And I just want all things to be God-honoring today and that we leave with a clearer understanding of not only what the gospel is from the last four-week series, but our responsibility to articulate it and to stand for it. Our, our, our responsibilities to the gospel and to the lost. It's different between the lost and the church. To the lost, we're patient and forbearing and we, we preach the, the gospel message, but to the church... 
we have to stand and we have to contend for the truth and we have to make sure that the doctrines do not become polluted and such. So just pray for me as I pray for myself today. Father, I just offer myself before you as nothing more than a servant. That's it. But I believe you have called me for a time like today and that you've given me uh, some insight into your word. And I just ask for that anointing today that would make me easy to listen to and easy to understand that I would not speak uh, jumbled, but that I would speak with a great clarity that would be no way to misunderstand. And even if the truth is painful, and even if the truth is bright, that we would not shy away or refuse, but that we would love the truth because in loving the truth, we're in actuality loving you because you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by you. And I thank you in advance for this opportunity that's mine, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we take our first questions, I'll ease you into it. It is your pastor's conviction, not belief, but conviction, that we are moments from the return of Jesus Christ. I feel the membrane between this world and the next becoming thinner and thinner, and it's almost like you can see the movement from the other side. Jesus, when asked, his disciples said, Master, what is the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? His first reply was, be not deceived. Before he mentioned wars and rumors of wars and the, the, re, the bringing back of the Israelites to, to their land, and before he spoke of uh, kingdom against kingdom and all of the above, he said deception. See, in the tribulation... God's going to send deception. The Bible said that God will send strong delusion that they might believe a lie because they loved not the truth. They didn't want the truth, so God himself will make sure that those that hated the truth have their unrighteousness in that day. But before every baby, there's contractions. Before the outpouring of God's spirit on the local church, there's showers. Before there's judgment, there's small judgments. And right now we are living in the falling away before the falling away. We're living in the deception before the deception. And Jesus said about his return, he said, when the son of man cometh, is he even going to be able to find faith on the earth? Are we in agreement that Christ would not exaggerate or lie? Now, now watch. He said, will the Son of Man even find faith? He spoke of this. He said, in that day when men stand before God, not the believers, but the unbelievers, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? So that's the fourth telling and the foretelling of God's words, intentions, and plans. Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done many mighty, wonderful works in your name? And he said, I never knew you. Here's my question. How many of your unbelieving friends or you, before you were born again, would ever say to someone, I think of myself before I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ at 24, 
I would have never told someone, I'm spending my life doing many mighty, wonderful works in the name of Jesus. So who are these people? It's church people. They've been in church all their life. And the idea, see, this series should have been a drawing uncomfortableness to you. It should have been both. It's kind of like a moth to a flame. To know that there are many among us that aren't born again. There are. There, there are people that have been in this church for years that have never been born again. They're, they've never repented of their sins. They prayed for Jesus to come in their heart, which isn't in the Bible. And I'm not making fun. I'm, and I know that, yes, he comes into our heart. God gives us a measure of the Holy Spirit. But it's not ask Jesus into your heart. It's repent of your sins. Unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. And Jesus mentions a different Jesus. If someone receives a different Jesus, which means he has the name, but it doesn't match the Jesus of the Bible. A, a different spirit. Oh, it's a spirit. It's just not the Holy Spirit. It might be imitating morality, but it's not the Holy Spirit and a different gospel. And so we did our first four weeks. Did you enjoy the series on the American gospel? Well, now here's your time to listen. There will be people here that your question will unlock the series for them. And if you have one in your heart, listen, nothing you ask can offend me. He said, John, I don't even understand what you were saying the other day. This is, nothing you can say will offend me unless you want to debate. I'll just let you win. I'm not going to go back and forth. I'll try to answer and we might disagree. And here's, the, here's, here's the, the bottom line with something like this. You don't have to agree with everything I say. But as pastor of the church, I have to teach what I believe out of God's word. And if God gives you a church, you can stand and say, this is what I believe. Because in the end, when I stand before him, you're going to be nowhere around. I have to answer for. So that's a scary thought. So if you have a question concerning the series or anything about this last day false gospel, I need some one or two to break the ice for us. And then others might be bold enough to go. And you're going to be like, can you believe I went down and talked on the mic? Girl, I didn't think you would ever do it, you know, on the way to Burger King. So who will be first this morning? Yeah, just get close. To the series, um, one of the biggest battles as a dedicated Christian is determining the difference between what is right and what is almost right. So, do you have any guidelines um, to help us? Sure. What she's talking about, discernment, was defined by Charles Spurgeon. Thank you by Charles Spurgeon as not knowing the difference between right and wrong, but knowing the difference between right and almost right. That only comes through a knowledge of the word of God, not a scripture, but the continuity of scripture, which means that someone can preach a message that's man-centered, centered on man's pleasure, man's promotion, man's comfort, man's blessing, man's validation, man's vindication, man's elevation, and then sprinkle in verses about Jesus, all those, those blessings might be available and might be part of the Christian experience once I understand that it's man-centered. 
even if the rest of it is right, it's wrong. Because the gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the gospel of man. Salvation is a, a man is a part of the gospel. The gospel is God's design and intentions before the beginning of the world of how he was going to bring voluntary worshipers into his family. And so for us, it means that we have to be astute in the word of God. And, and this is where I believe we miss it. Okay. How many of y'all are going to somebody's house to eat today? Did you cook? My mama cooked. I ain't bringing nothing. Just the appetite and where's the bed afterwards. Oh, it's just so easy. I just go over there and it's like magic. I walk in the room and everything's cooked. Just sit down, baby. I think I will. <laughs> sit down. Would you like some more? Yes. Yes. And your eyes start to close. Okay. Is anything wrong with eating at your mama's? No. But what we've done is we've never moved out of the house. And we have preachers and teachers and musicians that serve up everything for us because it's easier than studying the word of God for ourselves. And we have a false belief system based on false interpretation because we don't know the difference. So in answer to your question, the long way around, is that we have to have enough knowledge of the scripture to say, that's off. And once it's off, if it's out of balance, if it's not in balance, it's out of balance. If it's off-center, then it's off-centered. And once it strays away from the person and the glory of Jesus Christ, even though the statements may be correct, it's heading in a wrong direction. So it's to be a student, not ashamed. If I could give you any counsel, if this was the last opportunity, I said, John, you have one more sentence. One sentence to tell your church what would be this. It would be, turn off Christian television and read your Bible. That's what I would tell you. Know for yourself. Someone else. And by Christian television, I use that term very loosely. Do what now? I said, this may not really be a question. Okay. But it's an opinion. Okay. Like some of the, Get close to the mic if you don't mind. Some of the preachers that I saw there, I already knew in my heart. I did not have faith in them or belief in them. But two people was very into Todd White. And when I saw him manipulating that foot, because I'd watched it with them too, it blew me away. So how does your spirit or how do you discern and realize when you totally have belief in somebody that preaches the Bible, it appears? Yeah. I understand your question. And again, this is the part, okay? And we've all been, how many of your Christian life has been high point, low point? So I'm not judging anyone. The nearer you are to Christ, the more you have the mind of Christ. The nearer you are. The more you know of his word, the more you know of his mind. So if we can't discern immediately, we can discern as we listen or watch. Okay, something like that was in the physical realm. 
once you tell me that Jesus was not God, okay, me and you have a disconnect. Now, I'm not judging your heart, but I'm judging your words. I'm judging your words. And so for us, I, I can't answer how do we discern better nearness to the Lord? Uh, no known sin. Now, we all fail, but we don't all live in known sin. We repent of our sins. So if you're hearing his voice and there's no obstruction in the flow of his presence, his whispers, uh, the nearer you are, you'll, hear, you'll feel something like, that ain't right. And you may not even know why it's not right. And you don't have to pass judgment to walk away. If it don't feel right, it ain't right. I'd much rather go back and say, you know, I might have ju judged that too quickly. Not the person, but the word. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, you have need that no man teach you. But the Holy Spirit will guide you. Now, what does that mean? Well, it can't mean that no man can teach you because he put teachers in the church. And he gave teachers as gifts to the body. What he means is, more true than the words of men is the Bible in your lap and the Holy Spirit's voice that never contradicts the Bible. That's the more sure word of prophecy. And so what we do is when we see it or hear it, we discern and we separate. Turn in your Bibles. I hope you all have those with you. Let me see if I can find this here. I got to find it first. Romans 16, 17, and 18. Romans 16, 17, and 18. I want to answer a question that someone had asked before today. Well, why don't we just, why, don't, why do we have to emphasize doctrine? Why can't we just love people and leave the rest to the Holy Spirit? Okay. Well, first of all, because God commands you to. Jude 1.3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which means to struggle, to literally compete for a prize, to contend with all adversaries, to endeavor to accomplish something, which is holding on to the truth, to fight, to, to labor, to fervently strive for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, Romans 16, 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brethren, to be on your guard concerning those who create dissensions and difficulties and cause division. Now, that doesn't mean just because someone has a different opinion than the pastor that they're causing division. It tells you what it means. In opposition to the doctrine... The teaching which you've been taught. I warn you then and now to turn aside from them and avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites and base desires. And by ingratiating and flattering speech, they beguile the hearts of the unsuspecting and simple-minded. Mark them. Well, why can't we just love people? You know, John, and, and, and I've got friends of mine. That just, it just makes me all so uncomfortable. I just don't believe it. Judge not. Know that you be not judged. For with the same judgment you judge, 
you shall be judged. The point is not to judge. It's to understand that you're going to be judged with the same judgment. Well, the truth is the word of God. Okay. Make sure that I pull the plank out of my own eye before I help somebody else with a splinter. But the responsibility is mine. That when I see someone preaching a different doctrine, you see, let's have Pastor John, if you, if you bring that to light, then you hurt their feelings. And they're, peop- they're part of the body of Christ. Yeah, but their doctrine is damning men's souls. Paul came in to, to where Simon Peter was, and Simon was sitting with those of circumcision. So here's Simon, a Jew, living like a Gentile. And when the Jews came in that said you had to be circumcised, he sat with them, contradicting the gospel that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Male nor female, it's just in Christ. And Paul said, I confronted, them in front of, I confronted him in front of them all. See, back then, you have to remember, there was no cable, there was no radio, there was no media. So not only did, you know, you say, well, you're supposed to go to him privately. No, if your brother sinned against you or if he had ought, you do. But when someone teaches a doctrine publicly, that's like throwing salt into the wind and it blows apart. You have to go right behind it and speak over that as well for all the people to hear. No one wants to be that guy. If you want to be that guy, as a matter of fact, you're probably disqualified. But Paul said, I withstood him to the face because he was leading the other people away, changing the gospel. And so we mark them. We stain them. We, 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 caught, we set them apart and we tell other people, don't listen to this. Well, I just, that just makes me uncomfortable. I just don't want to do it. Well, of course you don't because it costs. I don't like being called narrow, a bigot, a know-it-all. But this is, this is our Lord's reputation and the souls of men we're talking about. And this is why they hated him. They did not hate Jesus for the miracles. They did not hate Jesus for being the Lamb of God. They hated him when he spoke the truth. And when, the, when Jesus says, and the world will hate you too. How many church people you know hated by the world? We think the goal is to get them to like us. Come on in. We've designed everything like a nightclub. Come on, say so you'll be happy. Come on in. And are you good? Did you get your basket on the way in? Did you get your cookies? And you go, okay, did you get the coffee mug? Get everything? Got all that. And we're going to make sure everybody's not offended and leave. It's not my actions that causes offense. It's the truth. The truth. It's when Christ said that, when one of them said that he was the king, he said, thou sayest. And they'd smite him on the mouth. And when he'd say, this day has this verse been fulfilled in your ears. And they would gnash on him with their teeth. It's the truth that brings offense. And for us, the cost is, if we're silent... The Bible says they will pay for their sins, but he'll require their blood at your hands. Now, this is very important right here. Our goal is not to go teach the world true doctrines. It's to stand in the church and not let the church be corrupted. We're to preach the gospel to the lost. 
But knowing that false teachers will come in amongst us and cause dissension and contrary doctrines, we have to stand. We have to use our voice. In the same way they use their voice for evil, it is my responsibility. Time for another question. Somebody else. Come on, Miss Byerly. Get closer, if you will. Have you heard or read um, from any of these ministries any type of rebuttal to that film? Thank you. Very good question. I did hear, uh, I read an article from Joyce Meyer that said that she admits that she had gotten out of balance with the prosperity gospel. Now, that's a broad, broad statement and seemed to be very humble in her statement. And I believe, listen, I've listened to many over the years from Joyce Meyer. I was edified. It's more of an encourager. She pretty much spends, if you take a 30, not, not 30 minutes or an hour, if you take an hour sermon message, about 45 minutes of it is identifying with you. Come on now. You know, she'll come on now and tell you all about so she connects with you. Very little doctrine. But more encouragement, how to live better, watch your tone, that kind of stuff. Okay. But at the core of her theology, from her mouth, she believes that Jesus Christ fully divulged himself of being God and suffered in hell for three days and was born again like we are. Now, if that's in your theology, you understand that that contaminant flows through everything else. So if it says Jesus sticks closer than a brother, which Jesus? The born again Jesus. So this new teaching is correct, but it's connected to the wrong Jesus. Do you see? Okay, this is the Lord that will never fail you. Right, which Lord? Oh, the one that was born again. When the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren, it did not mean that he was like us. He came in the form of sinful flesh. He was without sin, the Bible says in Hebrews. His emptying of himself was not getting rid of all that had to do with God. The Bible says that it tells us he emptied himself. How? By becoming a man. By, 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 he emptied himself by addition. He added manhood to his divinity. So he was both fully God and fully man. And one of their favorite teachings is um, that he was man. And so anything that Jesus did on the earth, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can do too. No. Sounds wonderful because it appeals to your flesh, but no. You remember in the series where uh, Todd White said, and Jesus could read people's minds, and I can too, and that's scary. I'm like, yes, it is. Because Jesus would, uh, they would commit to him, but he did not commit to them because he knew what was in them. And in other times, Jesus would turn and say, why did you just reason amongst yourself if, you could, if I could heal on the Sabbath or not? Oh, he didn't say that. I didn't say you said it. You thought it. That was not man by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus told Simon, 
Simon Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat. Where did he get that information from? Oh, the Holy Spirit told him. No, he, he, he was in on the conversation. Jesus did not exercise his divinity unless it brought glory to the Father. It was part of God's intention and it benefited what they were trying to do in perfect harmony. There were times he did and there were times he didn't. There were times he was uh, bold and other times he was quiet. He said, I only do what my Father tells me to do. So he limited himself, but to say that the error is so huge, the gap is so big that he did everything as a man. So everything he did, you could do. Because you know, greater works than these shall you do. Let me just clear that up for you. It's so easy. Greater works than these. We ought to be raising the dead and opening the blind eyes. Well, we can pray for those things. That would be miracles. Raising the dead is not a healing. That's a miracle. And the gifts of miracles can operate in the body of Christ. But greater works than these does not mean you as an individual. It means that Christ... The body of Jesus Christ was in one place at one time. And now we, the body of Christ, cover the globe. And we can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. We can preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and people can be saved. The blind can see, the deaf can hear, and it happens all over the world. Greater works are being done. But do you see how our gospel makes an appeal to you to be greater than Jesus? It's all flesh. It all goes back to man. He didn't say that I as an individual would be greater. It said, greater works than these shall you do. You. All of you. Because I I'm limited now to be in one place at one time. So those miracles, we should expect them. And one of the reasons we don't see them in the West is we don't need them. I don't need you to heal my eyes. I can go to the doctor and get Lasix for 100 bucks now. When I got it done, it was 10 grand. Now it's like $150 and a Burger King coupon. You can get Lasix done. <coughs> These are good. Somebody else, come. Because I want to make sure I'm answering questions that you're asking. Um, is using affirmations like, I will be this or I will be that, okay? Or are we supposed to accept life as it comes because we have dedicated our life to God? Wonderful question. Um, positive confession is not wrong, but it's not a doctrine. There is no power, creative power, I should say, in me saying I am. Now, um, and you can be seated too if you want to. You don't have to stand. Okay, well, let me get, let me get to this. <laughs> Depending on someone's past, Let's just say, and I'm making this up, male or female, if you were abused. Now my new life is in Christ. If I say in the mirror, I am worthy because Christ loved me. I am not what they did. I am what he did for me. Those kind of things. Nothing wrong with that. But when you shift and say that the power resides in my mantra... You see, I'm getting better by the mantra. No, you're just declaring what's happened. Your soul can be benefited. Your mood can be benefited. But nothing touches his glory. It'd be better to look in the mirror and say, look how far I've come in the last three months. All oh, glory to you, King Jesus. 
you're the great I am, and you've took me from back there to here. And I was fragile, and now I'm strong, and I thank you, God Almighty, that any, and then you, here's the humility, any good thing in my life, you've done it. And it didn't happen because I chanted. It happened because you died and were resurrected, and you sit at the right hand of God. Go ahead. Great question, and thank you. Those are very good. This is easy for a lot of us because we grew up in the church. She said money is the root of all evil. That's not what the scripture says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. No, there are successful businessmen uh, that, I'm going to put it to you in just money terms. There are families that go to every church that give as much as a third of the church. One third of the church, they're one check. Pays salaries, children's ministries, prison ministries, pastor's salary. Thank you, by the way. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. <laughs> All of these things. Uh, but Jesus also says to never desire to lust after riches because many troubles follows that life. So being successful and wealthy is not a sin. But the G- Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because riches can corrupt people. Here's the way I answer that. And I'm not one of those millionaires, by the way. Uh, how many of y'all are okay with a credit card? You just don't get into credit card trouble. I, I just don't. I pay it off every two days. I rack up huge points with GM and I go to buy my last two cars. I put five grand down on the GM car, got my lowest price and then took five more off, drove the car for free. I paid off every, it's not a problem to me. And other people with credit card trauma, they go, did you hear what that man said? If I did that, I'd be dead. I, all my credit cards are maxed out. You cut them up. You go look for the two pieces and tape them back together and you live. And it's just all trouble. But you've got to know who you are. And there are men that had to cut off the arm of their success and step back because they knew it would kill them. So the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, how can you discern, am I affected? Give. Just give all the time. If you love money, it'll kill you. Just give. Just give all the time. And as long as it's flowing away from you, it's hard to love something you ain't got. So it's the love of money. So can you be successful? Yes. But the Bible gives warnings about being wealthy. It said they fall into great snares and temptations that other people don't have because you can buy things other people can't buy. Somebody else. You better ask or I'll start preaching. All right, Will, what you got for me? I'm going to kind of piggyback off what she said. It seemed, I don't remember if it was one series. Can you get a little closer? One of the films, one of them out of the four, I don't remember which one, but it seemed like they were comparing the, the preachers that were preaching the prosperity gospel. You either had to be rich, or then you had on the other end, you had the missionaries on the field in Africa, mm-hmm. and it didn't seem to be much middle ground. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I was just, I was trying to get that gist of where the middle ground was. Yeah. You know, because I saw, you know, you're preaching, everybody's supposed to be rich, and that's not right. But yeah. You're supposed to be on the field in Africa, you know, poor, you know, getting water out of the well. I got I you. Just, I didn't get the. I got you. Well, I think if you'd watch, uh, great observation. They did contrast to the one gentleman that went over overseas, but almost all the other ministers that were on that side were middle class pastors. There were a multitude of those that lived out their faith. Okay. The problem with us is how we define prosperity. The prosperity preacher, prosperity means today and it is external blessings. The Bible says that we are wealthy in him. All of our riches are spiritual blessings, which can trickle over and God can bless us with temporal things. But the heart for us is Jesus. So no, you don't have to go on the mission field to love the Lord. That, that was the one guy that did, but the rest of them stayed in seminaries. They pastored small churches, but they were willing to walk away from. That's the thing. Do you remember when Simon Peter uh, Jesus told him to throw the net on the other side of the boat and it was so full of fish that the nets began to break and they had to call everybody in. See, that's a year haul. That's, that's a pay off your boat haul. But when he saw it was Jesus, he jumped off the boat and left the fish to be near Christ. He said, I don't care about the fish. It's Christ. I think that's the dividing line for us. So for this guy, for this guy, he felt he needed to purge himself from all of this now, he didn't stay there. He went there for several years, poured his life out, and came back. And now he lives in the States, making the documentary. So for us, it's not an either or. Does God want us poor? Some. The poor you have with you always. Will he provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Yes. Has he appointed some? If wealth is going to harm you, and you pray early on. See, we don't pray. We pray these dangerous prayers early on. Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, whoever you want to bring in, whatever you want to take out, I just want to be in your will. And then there's traffic jams on all our prayers. We're like, why aren't you answering this prayer? Well, because that one you prayed before. Wealth could kill somebody else where somebody else could use it as a vehicle to bless other people. So the great point. It's not an either or. God wants to bless his children as much as it profits them. That's my take. That he won't give me something to harm me. He keeps praise from people that can't handle praise. He keeps possessions from those that can't handle possessions. He keeps relationships for those that he keeps it till we're ready. But it's a good observation. I got, one more got one more. Come on. Um, a lot of the video on the blatant stuff The other stuff, some of the preachers, the clips they took from some of the sermons, it seemed to be out of context. Like which one? Because um, I think it was one of the Steve Furtick's messages mm -hmm. he was preaching, and they, they just took one clip. But we had actually heard the whole sermon, and it was not the context he was saying what they took. What Do you remember the clip? I don't remember the clip. Um, my wife could probably say the clip, but I don't remember what it and that's, that was my question. It seemed like... Oh, I know what it was. When, when uh, I follow God, favor follows me. That could have been it. Yeah. And 
Okay, I'm just going to give you the other side. I have listened to many of his, and I know a lot of people enjoy his preaching. So guess how fun this is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, his general, from what I've heard, the general leaning is this world, your wants, your desires, your pleasures, your, okay. My problem would be in the word favor. What does he mean by favor? If I follow Jesus, favor follows me. In the same way, the verse where it says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and bless you and bring you to an expected end to give you a hope. Well, this God has a wonderful plan for your life. Stephen's wonderful plan was that he was stoned. Paul's, John the Baptist's wonderful life was he was beheaded. So for him, to, the, the general context that I found is favor follows me means that if I'm close, everything generally, there's just great smiling upon it. And there is that in many lives. The problem is when you preach exclusively, like in absolutes, if I do this, God will do this. Murdoch said on here, you know, when, if I let go of something in my hand, God lets go of something in his hand. That's not in the Bible. Does it happen? Yes. It's not in the Bible. It's not a doctrine. And uh, my take, and this is just mine, okay? I'm not, it's not yours. Uh, I've listened to enough of his that I don't listen to any. Now, and I'm not, being, I'm not being funny or sarcastic. Uh, my spirit man alone cringes. Now, that doesn't mean I'm more right. I may be wrong on that. That's all I know to tell you. But my spirit won't let me. And then what I hear, you know, that one message he preached where God broke the law. And so oh, you took it out of context. No, I watched the whole thing. God broke the law to save you. Well, that makes him a transgressor. You see? I just, I don't know. And I know somebody come back and say, no, this. Because if you touch someone's favorite preacher or musician... Do you understand that there's, and of course, Will and his wife aren't this way, but church people are more merciful to you if you're caught in an affair than if you talk about their celebrity. No, serious. You think I, I catch hell on Facebook. They'll write me, how dare you narrow-minded bigot so-and-so. I'm like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, you touched my celebrity. You touched my person. You know, don't talk about my music. Don't talk about my preacher. Well, I, I think the devil is very strategic and systematic. And most of what goes on in Christian television falls under what Myra was saying. It might sound right, almost right. But um, I find a lot of that uh, to be very shallow and... Um, it's just my opinion. I, I don't listen to him or read anything he has to say. But some of y'all, you know, I had one guy tell me in the foyer, he goes, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. He feels that way about me, so have a good day. That really happened. Come on, Daniel. I have a couple of questions, um, and if you've already clarified this, then uh, forgive me, but 
Um, in the documentary, uh, they talk about um, how, you know, the, the tripartite nature of human existence, spirit, soul, body. How did they get that wrong? Because that's something that I believe in. It's also something that's preached in this church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. No, I don't think they got that part wrong. Okay. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. It's where they go from that with it that makes it wrong. Okay, maybe I have to look at the documentary again, but I can't remember exactly how they were saying that that was wrong in, in the film. Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't contradict that, that one part. I'm, I'm a spirit. Okay. I have a soul, but I live in a body. But theirs was that, uh, you remember the statement, Adam in the garden was not a little like God. He was not even subordinate to God. He was God in the flesh. Every person, every creation makes after its own kind. A dog makes a dog, you know, a cat makes a cat, and God makes gods. So they use that to say, we are the same DNA, we are gods. But my spirit was born dead. I was dead in trespasses and sin, passed on from Adam. So I don't think the statement's wrong. I think where they go with the statement leads to error. Okay, that answers my question, thank you. Um, one last thing. Um, they gave a visual illustration contrasting um, the way Catholics view salvation and the way Protestants are uh, the true American gospel, I guess, are view salvation. And basically, in the illustration, the little stick figure man couldn't fall below the line of salvation according to the gospel message of Jesus Christ even if he stumbled. Um, I mean, wouldn't these men in the video be examples of people who started out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then stumbled and are now preaching a false doctrine? And I mean... I think we've crossed over into two areas, but I'll, I'll try to address that. Uh, the, the premise, and thank you, Daniel. The, the premise, <clears throat> and again, this is one that I hope those of you that have known me long enough to know that I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I don't enjoy this part of my responsibility because I know it hurts and wounds people that are sincere. But my responsibility overrides my desire for comfort. Catholicism is not Christianity. It's not similar to Christianity. The Protestant Reformation was that that came out from the forced Roman Catholic Church and the death of millions of people that would not bow their knee and denounce Jesus Christ as the only Lord. They wouldn't denounce. The point of that graphic was that the baby is saved by the power of the priest and baptism of the child. That's the whole point. No. Me lifting a baby to the Lord for you? No, that doesn't save. No. And so, you know, the rest of the chart is secondary. Uh, as far as the preachers go, that, God will decide that in that day. There were some that were never saved. Uh, your pastor believes, and this is a whole, listen, you can take a whole hour. I am eternally secure. I don't worry about my salvation. 
I am eternally secure. I'm not saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost. But the Bible does speak of shipwrecked faith. It does speak of those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift. If they should fall away, it would be impossible to renew them again under repentance. Your pastor believes that you can become apostate. But if that happens, you can never be restored again. I believe that's what Jude refers to when he says twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Dead in sin, alive unto God, twice dead. And then there's no chance for salvation to them. I'm not one that believes and that you can forfeit your salvation by going to the theater. You know, if you die on your way home, you go to hell. Absolutely not. I don't live in fear of that. But if I come out from under the only thing that I add to salvation, my firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for my sins, there remaineth no more a covering. That, that, that's my take. Uh, Hebrews says there remaineth no more a sacrifice of our sins. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the confidence of our faith steadfast unto the end. That's what the scripture says. I'm not meriting the salvation. I'm staying under the umbrella of grace by faith. For by grace you say through faith, not of works. Any other questions? Is it, I don't want to keep you too long. We're already about 15 minutes over Yes. Has this helped at all? Good. Um, okay, so my question is, in the documentary, um, when I was talking about false preachings from churches, one of the churches it mentioned was Bethel Church. If I'm thinking correctly, Bethel has come out with a lot of popular Christian music lately, so I was wondering if it was possible, like how could positive music flow from a fake church or fake doctrine or incorrect doctrine like is that possible or is it affected by it wonderful question probably one of the best ones of today not that y'all's weren't good but (laughs) and we'll close with this one (laughs) this is a fine line to walk because can I just cut through okay many of the teachings And things that come from that place are not only wrong, they're heretical. I'm sorry, heretical. Does that mean that everyone on the worship team is a heretic? Absolutely not. What we have to be careful of, and our worship pastor, I believe, does a great job of this. I believe there are sincere people there. But he has to lyrically examine the songs before we present them to you. Now, well, well, aren't they infected? Women, they're words. Okay. Um, I could start singing Stevie Wonder. Like a fool, I went and stayed too long. Now I'm wondering if your love's still strong. Ooh, Jesus, here I am, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. <laughs> Done a lot of foolish things that I really didn't mean. Here I am, a broken man, I'm yours. I changed that one word. Instead of baby, I put Jesus in there. I'm by myself at my house. Can I worship? Yeah. Does that make it a holy song in that moment while I'm dancing free for the first time in my life? 
repentant of my former lifestyle. Here I am, Jesus, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. If my heart is sincere and it's based on the reality of the gospel, it becomes holy in that moment. Did Stevie write a holy song? No. So for us, it's not the condemning and saying, okay, everything that's ever been sung there, but her, her, her point is, will the doctrine work itself into the songs? Potentially, yes, and in some of them, no. What you have to understand is the pastor is the one responsible. By that, I mean he has to give an account. With the dawn of internet and social media and people walking around with, you know, our athletes are under scrutiny all the time. They've always done this stuff. They just didn't have cell phones recording it all, so now they're staying in trouble. Uh, some of the videos that I've seen from the services there are beautiful. And some of them are horrible. Some of the backstage uh, fire tunnel, it's demonic. I, I don't know how else to tell you. I, you watch it and, and, and grave soaking where they video themselves and all the people in their internship going to the graves of dead saints and laying on the top of it, hoping to soak life. This, this is what I'm trying to, this will summarize this for me. No wonder the world's confused. We don't even know what we believe. No wonder that we're trying to invite them to church and they're like, no, thank you. That preacher's after my money and y'all are just as crazy. You lived like, do you not know when people invite them to church and that person's saying, I live better than you do. What are you talking about? Go to church. And they're not sounding. So when I see something like that, or I see uh, anybody with the Holy Spirit can tell their demonic manifestations and the, oh, the Lord's here, the Lord's here, the Lord's here. You know, gold's falling. There's gold everywhere. Pick it up and feed the hungry. Who got the gold? It vanished. And this necromancy that we're practicing, laying, no, no. There's a portion in the Old Testament. I know Elisha, when they threw the dead man in, he landed on Elisha's bones and he was resurrected. So that means we're supposed to go lay on bones. What was that? I can't tell you. I, I don't know if the Lord was just sending them a signal that he was my man. I, I don't know. But why? Watch. Why would I take 40 young people to go lay on graves when I could teach them to get alone with the Son of God and commune with the Holy Spirit? directly. So for great question to the lady that asked that, it's a fine line. And you know, no one's got all the answers. I, I just feel the burden and responsibility for you. Okay. We're not Christ chapel. We're Brita assembly of God. Now that's Brita with the filter, the water filter or pure Brita. Here's what we leave with. Run it through the filter, filter it again and filter it again. And if it comes out, drink it. Good. Fine. But no one has all the answers. No one has all the answers. I've had to go back and correct myself. But here's the thing. We are to love. Ben, if you'd come real quick for me. We are to love people 
But we are to love God more. We are to love the truth more. We are, where the Bible says that we uh, follow him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. What does that mean? The, the path away, the, the crucified life. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. The cross was Jesus living out the truth of the gospel. That's what the cross was. So when Simon said, no, Lord, don't let it happen, don't let me, get behind me, Satan. You're changing the gospel. He called Peter Satan. Just a moment ago, he said, flesh and blood revealed didn't reveal to you who I was. My father in heaven did. He said, get behind me, Satan, because you savor not the things of God. And so for us, the way that we follow him outside the camp is not just in our sanctification and our consecration, but our love for the truth. We'll compromise it for no man, no church, no person. Unashamedly. And here's the last thing that's very important. Jesus said, for whosoever will be ashamed of me and my words and or my words of him will I be ashamed when I come with the angels and the with, and with the angels and God's glory. See, you cannot be ashamed of God, but be ashamed of his words. I'm not saying just hold the truth down and to fit in. We're not trying to indoctrinate the world they're not even saved but when you hear a believer when you when you see a believer go on facebook and a, two girls get married or two guys get married and praise the lord i'm just so happy for you said no 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 praise the lord now that's just like a man committing adultery it's still no no praise the lord hey i finally left my wife i got a new wife praise the lord i'm so glad you're happy you just want to go come on not in the church now, if we're supposed to cut off ties with everybody that sins, you know, the Bible said you have to go out of the world by yourself, left with you a sinner and me a sinner. But in the church, we can't label, put God's stamp on wrong things. So that makes us judgmental. Paul said, I judge all things. Judge them all. But you don't have to be judgmental. I don't have any beef with Stephen Furtick. I don't know him. I don't have any beef with Todd White. Don't know him. Except that what's coming out of their mouth is, has the potential to damn people. And that I take offense at. And you don't have to take up my cause. But you need to understand that it is my cause. I'm a small town preacher in a small town trying to shepherd the flock. Love the truth. Love the truth. Love the truth. Stand by the truth. Don't be ashamed of his words when they ask you, do you believe this? Yes. So you believe in the rapture? Yes. I have people all the time say, what kind of preacher are you? You think it's hard being a Christian. Imagine meeting somebody and you go, hey, what do you do? I'm a preacher. Oh. I get that all the time. Well, what kind of preacher? Like, what kind of church? Uh, Assemblies of God. Oh. That's like swagger and then back there. Yes. Yes. 
So do y'all do them tongue things? Do you, do you, do you pray in tongues? I always look them in the eyes and go, yes, pray in tongues all the time. Well, why would you tell them that? Because I'm not ashamed. But then I kind of meet them on neutral ground. I said, weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I said, I'm not weird. I'm just a normal person. But I have been filled with the Spirit, and I do pray in tongues, yes. Because if my wife was ever in company with me, and I could tell on her face or in her words that she was ashamed of me, that would utterly emasculate me as a man. And Christ watches to see if I'm ashamed of him or his words. He watches me. And so we stand. I trust that this series, if nothing else, just makes you use your filter. I'm not going to follow you around. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. I feel I did my job on this part of the series. And are we all in agreement that we want to walk nearer to the Lord and in truth? And he'll guide you. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I close with this, my final closing. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, how will he guide us into all truth? For he will not speak of himself. He will glorify me, Jesus said. He won't talk about men. He won't talk about himself. He will talk about me. And he will reveal what I show him unto you. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus the center, the beginning, the sustaining force, and the destination of our lives. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for this day, our time together. I pray, oh Lord, that I thank you for those that asked the poignant questions and those that made themselves vulnerable. And I pray that they knew my heart in answering, that with mutual respect, I just answered to the best of my ability. I pray, oh Lord, that you would guide us into truth. Let us not be deceived, Lord. Let us know your voice, know your name. Keep us close to you. Help us be ready so when the trumpet sounds, we are ready to go, ready to go home and meet you and be unashamed at your coming. I thank you, Lord, for every graduate today and for every mom and dad that invested so much. And I know they're just so filled with pride today. I pray that you bless them as they practice empty nesting, Lord. That's going to be hard for many of my friends, I know, Lord. And for all of our veterans, bless them today. Keep us, Lord. And if it's your will, bring us back next Sunday so we can worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Memorial Day and be safe this weekend.